Hello and welcome to the Rogue Ministry Podcast. This is Justin Barringer, the Rogue Minister, and I'm here with my co-host. This is Rachel, the creator of Speech Strong Resources. And together we are co-founders of Diapers Etc. And of course, host of the Rogue Ministry Podcast, creating and sustaining faithful ministries. Welcome back to yet another episode of the Rogue Ministry Podcast. This is, of course, Justin Berenger, the Rogue Minister himself. And last episode, we left off talking about affinity groups, especially social enterprise, uh, with our friend Larry Duggins from the Missional Wisdom Foundation. And this week, we're going to pick up on our conversation, um, getting a little bit more into Larry's head to learn uh, a bit more about the missional wisdom wor- work that the missional wisdom foundation does and we're going to talk about things like the staff to volunteer ratios where we start off the conversation because they have a relatively small staff and yet they're doing things all over the place all kinds of work everywhere so we're going to talk about that a little bit more and what i'm especially looking forward to in this particular part of the interview is hearing just some more of Larry's stories, the kind of stories that are both humorous and profound and that might just open our eyes a little bit to what it is that God might just be up to in the world. So here we go with the rest of our conversation with Larry Duggins of the Missional Wisdom Foundation. There's a lot of... Well, let me get to this actually first. So... My understanding is y'all have a relatively small staff, but you have a lot of people, and I guess you would maybe, I don't know if you would use the word volunteers or something else, community members. So how does that, what's the interplay like there with with having a few staff members? How are they working with, say, sort of a, a revolving door of of new people coming in and spending a couple of years with y'all and then heading out and doing whatever it is that they're doing next. How do y'all sort of train people in that process, including your staff people? Yeah, um, we use um, volunteers uh, or people who are willing to um, do a kind of almost a job share or um, bartering kind of arrangement with us, uh, especially in the co-working spaces and in the shared mm-hmm. use kitchen. Um, we, we find that um, uh, not everybody who is, uh, who wants to connect with the community in that way can afford to do it. And so we use the um, bartering arrangement uh, so that they spend um, typically four or five hours a week working for us in the co-working space to, to offer hospitality and to help people as they come in and out. And uh, for that, we swap them a membership in the space, and they can spend the rest of the week doing their own work there. Mm-hmm. And uh, we've had a number of folks who um, launched small businesses that way uh, because they didn't have seed capital to begin with. It's, it's again, uh, uh, there's a real ministerial purpose there um, that uh, when a when a, a person comes in and is welcomed regardless of their ability to pay and is nurtured in such a way that their economic life uh, improves as they're as they're witnessing that and experiencing that they they recognize 
that, um, hey, you know, the body of Christ was in the middle of doing this for me. Mm. Uh, and, um, it's, a, it's, it's a realization that the church can be a whole lot more than simply the repository of a bunch of restrictive rules. And, um, it's, it's a wonderful way to, uh, provide Christian witness to folk. So I want to just clarify for listeners. I know um, we've already talked about so you do some co-working spaces. I know you all have um, uh, community houses uh, throughout the DFW area, and I know that those community houses might have different focus just given on, given, you know, what neighborhood they're in or different things like mm-hmm. that. Y'all have done a fair bit of, like you said, publishing and teaching work. What else? What, I know there's other pieces here. What 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 um what else is the Missional Wisdom Foundation doing, or maybe dreaming of doing in the the coming years? Well, we've got um, uh, what we call hubs, where we um, run communities to teach from, and what our, our 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 we have a hub there in Dallas around White Rock, where we have a co-working space and a shared use kitchen and then these um, classrooms that have been modified to uh, be art studios. We had an aerial yoga studio. We had a, a dance studio there for a long time. And um, so, so that, that piece uh, is, is there in Dallas. We've got another one of those in a totally different church context in Asheville, North Carolina. That's a, a small, much more rural neighborhood church that um, has a little co-working space and a little kitchen, and uh, but it has a bunch of uh, agricultural products going on around it in the, you know, in our, uh, our parsonage space. And so we've got a big garden and we've got uh, chickens and pollinators mm. and we've got an adjacent uh, elementary school. Uh, and so we do a lot of after school work with kids um, in that space. Uh, so, so we have those. Uh, we've got a, a group of people um, that we're affiliated with up in the, uh, Central United States up in Kansas that do um, asset-based community development, and mm-hmm. so we we teach um, uh, about that along with them, uh, and we have new monastic communities that um, uh, focus on a number of different things. One on one focuses on uh, disability, one focuses on um, uh, work with the homeless, and then another um, focuses on uh, the on people coming out of of um, institutional living uh, as adolescents. And so um, we've got a number of different manifestations of that. And then we um, teach and we publish. And those are the... Those are the principal things that we do. Our primary teaching platform is something called Launch and Lead. Uh, Launch and Lead is a two-year program for both clergy and laity that is a hybrid learning platform, which means that um, we do uh, seven online courses over the course of two years with those folks, and then we have four in-person um, uh, meetings that they come and spend a long weekend together to be able to work on special topics. And the, the idea is to take them from the, the the kind of theological underpinnings of missional church and to walk them all the way through um, imagining and designing a missional project and then implementing it. And so, you know, we go from 
know, this is why we do this kind of stuff all the way to this is how we do it and, you know, doing business plans and putting together lead teams and all that kind of stuff. And so the, the idea is that once you do it yourself and once you spend a little time uh, playing around with the manifestations that we've done, then um, you've got a, a, a good idea of how to um, bring this into your own context. Um, one of the things that differentiates the work that we do from, say, consulting work is that we, we just, we don't go into places and tell people what to do and design co-working spaces for them. That's, that's mm-hmm. not something that we, that we do. Rather, we sit down with them and teach them how to analyze their own context and how to embrace the theological underpinnings and then how to do the step by step of doing something that makes sense to them. It's a, a very much a teaching role as opposed to a consulting role. Well, and then beyond teaching, too, I I would, you know, if you don't mind me using, I'd use the word discipling, right? This is a, oh, this is a, a shared venture where you're not only giving information and and then, but you're you're building friendships with the folks with whom you're working um, in these. Um, launch and lead groups and then the community houses and all the other stuff, right? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's absolutely right. key. Once, once you're part of us, it's hard to shake loose of us. Yeah. I've, <laughs> I've, I've heard that, that there's a, there's a bit of a, a vortex, a good thing. Um, yeah, it is. So, the other thing that we do that I haven't mentioned that I'd love to just spend one second talking about one of the one of the keys uh, in our in our view of um, being able to do missional church well is to um, pay attention to the motion of the Holy Spirit around you in everyday life and to really do what John Wesley called sharpening your spiritual senses to to be aware of God's motion around you. And one of the ways we help people with that is that um, we take people on pilgrimage. Uh, over the last 10 years, we've taken 17 different groups of people for a week on the island of Iona in, uh, in the Hebrides in Scotland. Uh, Iona is a wonderful place that um, was essentially the first outpost of Christianity in, in Scotland. And uh, from that place, they uh, uh, evangelized uh, a vast majority of uh, of Scotland and the uh, Northumbria area and all the way over into Norway. And um, mm. so we go to that place to um, encounter God in a different way. And um, it's such an important part of what we do that, that really every full-time employee of the Missional Wisdom Foundation goes on that pilgrimage as part of their employment um, so that they can learn to um, see the spirit move in that way. And so um, uh, we do those pilgrimages every year in May and uh, actually have one coming up this May that I'm, that I'm looking forward to. Uh, but um, pilgrimage is another really important thing that we do. I like that. I was going to ask you, and I actually have on my questions, <laughs> what are some of the theological underpinnings to use the, the language that mm-hmm. you use? You've already answered a lot of that, but is, are there any other any other 
pieces of that that you you think are important for folks to understand what y'all are doing? We we teach um, two series of theological underpinnings. One of them has to do with uh, understanding the relationship between God and an individual, and the other is the relationship between God and community. Mm. And um, in a in, in a lightning path. We teach people to focus on the greatest commandment as the vocational calling, the idea that, that what we're supposed to be doing as Christian people is loving God and loving others. We teach mm-hmm. them to pay attention to the hymn of Kenosis in Philippians 2 on how to do it. Mm-hmm. That is to pour yourself out freely, but to take time to refill yourself so that you can pour yourself again. And we teach them the why they do this is to live into the high priestly prayer of John 17, where Jesus prayed for us to be one with him and one with each other in exactly the way that he is one with God the Father. And so we, we, we help people see their individual Christian vocation as a relationship between those three scriptures. Then in a community perspective, we help people begin with understanding the nature of God as community. If we as Christian people believe in God as Trinity, Father, Son, Spirit, Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer, um, whatever language is right for you, then we must realize that it is the very nature of God to be in community, that those three distinct persons are bound by a bond, uh, by a bond of love that makes them one. And if we believe, if we see that, then we know, recognize that God's self is never out of community. God's self is never alone. We then take a step to say we're created in the image of God. And if we're created in the image of God, then that longing for community that is fundamental to who God is, is built into us as well. And so it's no wonder that we don't like being alone for extended period of time. It is part of the fundamental nature of a human being to be in community. And then the next step is to say, well, if that is the case, then helping people to be together is, in fact, a means of grace. If we help people to love each other, that is a perfect platform for provenient grace for the spirit to touch them and say, hey, I'm here too. And so mm. in, a, in a whirlwind, those um, theological concepts help us to build in all the directions that we go. So... You've answered um, sort of in the in the I call it the pastoral we. Um, I've heard it said you've you've answered a lot in 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 for for what the organization does. But if you don't mind, I want to ask these next couple of questions specifically about you. Um, uh-huh. And so what you've already mentioned pilgrimage, or what are the sort of spiritual emotional and other practices that that you personally use to help you keep going and and, and doing this work. Because I know it can be a lot of pressure when you've got tons of different projects going on all over the place. Lots of people want your time and your attention. So what kind of practices do you personally uh, employ? 
Yeah, I'm 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 a Wesleyan contemplative, and so mm. um, that drives me to um, spend time in in prayer, uh, especially uh, time in silent prayer, which which I try to make time for every day. Um, it it compels me to uh, spend time in scripture, which I also try to build time for uh, every day. And uh, it compels me to um, do those things in community. And so uh, each week um, I lead a Tizay worship service here at, at Weiss Chapel. And for me, that's, that's um, the, the form of worship that um, fills me most deeply. And so it's, it's, it's wonderful to be able to participate and officiate there. Um, and I have uh, an accountability group that I meet with every week um, that is uh, very similar to uh, a Wesleyan band in that we uh, check in with each other. I uh, ask the question of how is it with your soul? And then um, we um, spend time in prayer together. And it's the combination of those things that um, I find um, most filling and um, that I really need uh, to be able to allow me to move forward. Basically answered the next question I was going to ask, but I'll ask anyway in case you want to add to it. Um, sort of who who are the people, and you don't have to mention them by name, but that the community of folks that that most – work alongside you to sort of share the burdens and the joys of, of your work? Sure. The, the, um, the foundation is designed to implement um, leadership in a cooperative fashion, and so um, I have two other people who work uh, alongside me, Luke Lingle and Denise Crane, who are leaders of the foundation. And um, the three of us um, work to make every um, important decision together and to <clears throat> support each other deeply as we um, move um, in different directions. But we also have um, a cooperative leadership in each of our um, in each of the areas that we implement work in. So there's a cooperative relationship around the education group. There's a cooperative relationship within the publication group and within the, um, the, the group of people who manage the um, residential communities. And so mm-hmm. I rarely find myself um, having to decide things or push things along. Um, I've always got a group of people um, working together with me who um, are um, highly capable and are um, uh, participating in all those decisions together. It's um, a leadership model that is um, uh, reflective of the idea of the body of Christ, that um, we each have um, gifts and graces that um, we are given, and we um, maximize our uh, ability to um, follow God in particular areas by um, uh, putting all of those gifts and graces to work together. Hmm. Well, like that, so much, so much of what you're saying is, is speaking my language. I, I did my master's degree with a, a lady named Christine Pohl. Um, oh, sure. <laughs> whose work I know you're familiar with on yeah. hospitality and community and friendship. Mm-hmm. And so, so much of this is just, just language and, and ideas and, and, and way of life that I, I love. 
Uh, and I know you could talk all day about your work, but I, I'd love it if you could tell me maybe one or two of your sort of all-time favorite stories that have come out of the past close to a decade of, of your work with the Missional Wisdom Foundation. Um, probably my favorite story um, of of all is um, when we were first starting our work in North Carolina. We were working with the um, we were working with uh, the little Bethesda United Methodist Church, which was getting ready to close. It was it was just um, there, there were seven people in worship the first time that I preached. And um, it was just it was it was tiny and, and, and uh, had some hope, but not a whole lot. And mm. so um, as we were thinking about how do we how do we do this together, we recognized very uh, early on that um, we needed a new pastor at the church because the pastor who had been there, the highly competent wonderful man who had done a great job of preparing that church for some kind of change but mm-hmm. but he didn't seem like he was going to be the agent of change himself i you know he, mm-hmm. he did a he did a really good job of preparing that church for something and so uh, i sat with the district superintendent and said okay what are we going to do here and he started kind of looking through his list of people and said, you know, well, maybe we should talk to Karen Doucette. And Karen um, was uh, early on in her ordination process. She was a second career person. Um, and she had actually uh, been in our launch and lead uh, program. And so I said, yes, that'd be, that'd be great. I mean, she's got the groundwork. So um, uh, DS and I uh, asked Karen to come in and talk about this opportunity. And um, when she sat down, I, I started to explain kind of what we had in mind there at Bethesda at Hall Creek and um, what, uh, what we were um, dreaming of. And she got the funniest look on her face that I believe I've ever seen a human. It was to the point that 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 I I, I had to stop and, and 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 say, okay, Karen, obviously something's going on. What 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 are you thinking here? And she said, you don't know, do you? And I said, obviously not. What what do I not know? She said, I grew up here. My parents live around the corner. Mm. And so, so here we are getting ready to start this missional engagement in this little neighborhood. And God brings us a pastor who is a social worker in her prior career, is a already trained within our missional work, is a brilliant and wonderful human being and lived around the corner. That's one of those things that you just love to watch the way that the spirit provides. Um, oh, that's why we yeah. teach people pay attention because, um, man, there is providence happening all around you if you just pay attention. Absolutely. Well, if God can speak to people on airplanes and airports, which I think most of us think are some of the most horrid places that one could spend <laughs> their time, um, then seems like God could speak to folks anywhere. So uh, I, I was going to say I love that, that sort of airplanes and airports have been 
holy places for you um, because usually those are places of high stress and places of (laughs) of just – you just got to do it because you're trying to get somewhere else. So I think that that really speaks to the kind of work that you all have been doing and that you continue to do as people who can find – find the, the the work of God and join in that work um in that. in any number of places. So I'm thrilled about that. Is there anything else that, that you wanna say? Anything else you want to mention about the Mission Wisdom Foundation? I, um for listeners we'll 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 make sure to have links up and everything so they can get to y'all's work um web pages and all that. But besides that, is there any other Sort of final final words that you would like to you share know, with our listeners. Uh, something that 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 might be interesting for folks to look into. Um, every year we do a national gathering, where we bring together um, people who have um, been through our programs and people who have not yet been uh, connected with us, but who are interested in uh, in missional church. Um, those typically happened uh, toward the end of April uh, in, in 2020. Ours is going to be at uh, White Rock uh, United Methodist at uh, the mixed co-working space, um, April 23rd through 25th. And so um, uh, if this kind of thing is interesting to you, we would love to have you come and join us at the National Gathering. And um, if you don't make the 2021, there's going to be another one in 2021. So, uh, so April, April what were those dates again? April 23 through 25 at uh, okay. White Rock United Methodist there in Dallas. Okay, we can definitely um, put up White Rock's webpage as well. For the listeners who don't, haven't already figured out, that's where Rachel and I go to church. So, in fact, I just didn't win a chili cook-off in the mix. Um, co-working <laughs> space the other day, um, which, but you know, I'm in Texas, so I know the competition is stiff. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll definitely pass that information on. In fact, I'm now hoping that I can be there since, you know, Fantastic. I live about two minutes away. Um, that's helpful. Well, thank you for sharing that and thanks genuinely for talking to us. I, I love hearing these kind of stories and, I'm glad that I finally got to talk to you because uh, since we've moved to Dallas, um, we've heard your name come up so many times in so many conversations with people that we we trust and people that we really love and adore. And so um, I'm I'm glad we finally got to talk, and yeah, hopefully we'll absolutely. get to do it some sometime again without uh, other people, uh, a whole bunch of other people listening, but. Thank you, Larry. I appreciate it, and uh, I hope you have a a blessed rest of your day. Well, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure. And there you have it. That's our conversation with yet another rogue minister, Larry Duggins from the Missional Wisdom Foundation. Of course, if you would like to find out more about Larry and the Missional Wisdom Foundation, you can hit up missionalwisdom.com we'll have that in the show notes as well but missionalwisdom.com and just also want to list off for you a few of his publications he's written or edited books rooted in grace what kind of god reading the bible with the missional church together community as a means of grace simple harmony thoughts on holistic christian life and then this was kind of a key one 
um, that a lot of folks are familiar with, if they're at all familiar with the Missional Wisdom Foundation or the work that they're doing, is Missional Monastic Mainline, a guide to starting missional micro-communities in historically mainline tradition. So you can find all of those publications at your favorite bookseller, and you can visit Larry uh, at missionalwisdom.com. And this is Justin Berenger, the Rogue Minister, signing off with my co-host, Rachel at Speech Strong Resources. And go check out our show notes. And if you are listening on Apple Podcasts, leave us a review and comment. You can also submit questions, reviews, and comments on our Facebook page. And as always, be faithful to that which you have been called.